Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by Big Ben's Dessert. Today we have another very special guest with us. She is the owner of Peach Cobble Factory, two Peach Cobble Factories, one in Dalton, Georgia, and another one opening up in Fayetteville, Georgia, yes. very soon, right? Correct, yes. Absolutely. And at the very young age of 26 years old, yes. well, amazing accomplishment. So I have with me no other than Miss Aaliyah Smith. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So I saw your story online. I, I like to um, kind of paint a picture of, of everything for people watching this in my interviews. Um, so I, I was online, I think it was on blackbusiness.com, and, and then I saw an article, and it was talking about a mother of four and um, a 26 years old opening up uh, two franchises of Peach Cobble Factory. We just had one opened up in our area uh, probably about a month or so ago in yeah. Spartanburg, South Carolina. Yes. And, um, and I just looking into the article and everything, and I said, man, this would be great to you know reach out to you, have your own. And... Uh, I know you said sometimes your your emails go to the spam yeah. folder, which I had the same issue yeah. with that as well. But um, once you got back to me and you said you were willing to do an interview, I was like very happy. And I said, you know, just yes. to make it easy, I always like to get on the road and travel anyway. So just to make it convenient for you, I said, I definitely love to come down here and just hear about your story. So awesome. thank you for taking the time. Awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So kind of starting out, though, I saw that you were from Lansing, Michigan. Lansing, Lansing yes. Michigan. Okay. I am from Lansing, yeah. Michigan. I was actually in Michigan. Well, I've been to Michigan twice. I went for the first time last year. I went to... Uh, I was in Flint, Michigan. Okay. Um, I went there for Memorial Weekend last year, and then I went again this year. My friend Brandon Quarter, he owns Beats and Beers. Nice. Shout out to Brandon. He um, he's uh, he gives back to his community every year, and he throws events all over the country. And um, so for Memorial Weekend, he went to uh, he always goes back home to give back to the community. Say, you know, I just want to go out there and show support. So I went up there for the first time last year and this year, which was a, a really great experience. I'm not sure how far that is from Lansing. Only about probably an hour. Oh, okay. An hour, not far at all. Okay, yeah. So it's that's not far at all. So I would land in Detroit and then I would just get a rental car and just drive down yeah. down to Flint. But it's a nice, a nice. You know, for me, I'm from the country, so it's yeah. so like being in a small town like that, it doesn't really bother me yes. at all. So, but for you, growing up in Lansing, Michigan, like how would you describe you know you know being from there and like what was your early childhood like? Yeah, so being from there, it's, it's awesome. I love my city. I love my town. It's a lot of, you know, talent and a lot of uh, individuals that have such major skill um, in Lansing. Lansing is smaller. Um, it is the capital of Michigan. Uh, it's funny because a lot of people, especially now that I live here, as soon as I tell somebody I'm from Michigan, they immediately say, oh, you're from Detroit, because that's all most yeah, people yeah. know yeah. is Detroit, Michigan. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm from Lansing, the capital. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but Lansing is definitely um, smaller. Um, there's a lot of other small cities surrounding it. A lot of people will figure out, you know, what Lansing is when we start to mention, like Michigan State, because that's in East Lansing right near us. Then we have, you know, University of Michigan, Michigan. Ann Arbor, uh, not too far from us as well. Um, but, you know, growing up was great. All of my family is is in, well, is was living in Michigan, both me and my husband's side of the family. Okay. So we definitely were family-oriented. We always had family around um, on both sides, mom and dad. Um, so definitely having family around was never an issue. Um, I grew up, I have siblings, so I have my brother i have my sister i also have two other bonus brothers um when my dad remarried so okay. i have four siblings uh, actually i have sorry i have six siblings because i also have my husband's brother and sister as well um okay. and i look at them just as well as i look at any of my other siblings we're all very close so everything was always family family first even though it's a small town, it was just a lot of opportunity. I started my first business in my hometown at 14. I was in high school. Um, so it was really great to be able to have the support. Literally, my whole city and town and surrounding area supported me year after year after year. Whether it was for birthday parties, weddings, events, anything. They were my bigger supporters. So they definitely play a big, huge part um, along with my family support as to why and how I got here today. Because, mm -hmm. you know, when you have that support system and you it get to have... Difference. Yeah, it makes a big difference. You know, and a lot of people think that people move away because they don't have support at home or they don't have, you know, that, but that was not the case. I literally moved for um, a job promotion 
was it because I wanted to leave, you know, my hometown and my supporters because I continue my business um, for just, I still continue it now, my first business. So I still continue the business even with living here. And I was even traveling back and forth back home and still do events and stuff for people, um, so you, even with living here. So you still have your business up there now or did you have to kind of like let it go? I, since you no, so I have it here, okay. but I will still travel um, if it makes sense for okay. that, you know, yeah. Okay. But my main focus, of course, is my two brick and mortar businesses here. Absolutely. So kind of going back to uh, your childhood, and um, we're going to get more to your story. Yeah. Like, what was, like, growing up, what was it that you were kind of interested in? I know you said you started your business at 14, mm-hmm. but before that, did you, uh, was there anything else that you were interested in growing up? Well, both of my parents had entrepreneur spirit. Like, my okay. whole, my family is a family full of hustlers. So, that's not something that I just picked up. I saw that so growing you up. Saw it, yeah. Yep, you know, my, my mom and my dad and lots of family members had businesses and business owners. Um, so we're definitely a family of entrepreneurship. Um, also, my hobby, even from just being little, being younger, I love to cook. I love to bake. That was what my hobby was. That's what I took passion into. Um, so it wasn't hard for me to take what I love to do and make it into something that I wanted to continue mm-hmm. to do for the long run. And that is a, that goes into why I even picked the Peach Cobbler Factory to continue to, 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 to franchise with because it aligns with what I always had a passion for. Mm-hmm. And that's desserts and events and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so I, and that's one of the things that I've noticed interviewing entrepreneurs. A lot of them, not saying is that they don't, uh, it's not possible, but a lot of times, a lot of the entrepreneurs, they grew up in entrepreneur, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial families. Mm-hmm. So they once they see that, that's the kind of the route that they chose. And then sometimes people, like for my instance, I always say my parents are just work nine to five so that's what I saw growing up mm-hmm. but once I finally got into the workforce uh, after college you know I, I kind of felt like I didn't want to go that route so I kind of uh, ended up taking going to going a different route of course I still have a job now but transitioning from you know working full time to you know creating my own opportunity but a mm-hmm. lot of times I do see that correlation as well if you come from a family of entrepreneurs that kind of like the route that you pursue mm-hmm. but for, for you like what would you say like for the people like the mindset of people in Michigan though what would you say is more of like a if you had to describe it would you, it, would you say it's more of like a a, a, a community of, of entrepreneurs or more of like a traditional like nine to five workers I would say it's a good balance of both. I would say definitely now more than ever, much more entrepreneur spirit. I feel like that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, you know, hearing stories from our parents and grandparents, especially um, when you're coming from the South. A lot of my family members came from the South and went up North to work at General Motors, Fisher Body, um, Oldsmobile. So plants like that um, to be able to provide and have a better, um, a better just everything for their family. So I think that is another reason why um, a lot of, you know, cultures and in my community and just in our culture, families have that base of wanting to work and work hard as well, just because they've seen that growing up. But honestly, when you look at it, you know, whether you're providing through an entrepreneurial spirit or from, you know, working a nine to five is all in the same, because even with me, um, I moved up in the management ladder in corporate America up until the end of last year is when mm-hmm. I left my job. Um, so I use my job to fund my business and mm-hmm. I worked hard and I just, you know, having that, having good work ethic just goes a long way, whether it's in entrepreneurship or working in corporate or working nine to five, it's all in the same. Mm-hmm. Um, how I look at it, I just look at it from a different perspective. Would you say you were always go oriented even go even from like growing up in your early childhood because to accomplish what you have at uh, 26 already mm-hmm. would you say you were always go oriented as far as like setting your goals of like this is what I want to do in life yes. would you always have goals yes like? I was very consistent in my plan even from a young girl I knew exactly what I wanted to do um, even if it changed as far as career paths I knew that I wanted to be successful so I had to figure out a plan um, and multiple plans to see how and what I had to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just how I came to where I am. But I always had, you know, what can I do and what do I have to do? Because even if I, I knew that, you know, even if I, I went to college and I, I studied at Michigan State, I, you know, went to school, I was top excelling. But when I knew that 
the traditional route wasn't for me you know i'm like you know what can i do that can set me aside or set me at a different path so that i can overachieve i was overachiever mm-hmm. so i just wanted to always do more right how, how how long were you at michigan state before you decided to go a, a different route so i was there for two and a half years mm-hmm. and then you just felt like it wasn't like a like a f- fulfilling or did you just knew it was just wasn't serving its that, purpose for you i knew that i knew enough and it was okay for me to stop that journey and move on and to to work because I was working. I was in, I was in management. I was making really good money. So mm-hmm. even while you were at Michigan State, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. And then I also became pregnant with my son, um, so that had some deciding into it as well, um, because I had pregnancy complications and I had to do, be on bed rest. So that definitely took some of the decision on why I wanted to just go in there. And then when I started to move up with my job, I'm like, okay, well. I guess I'll just continue to do what I'm doing mm-hmm. and just continue to move up the ladder in corporate and then I can continue to fund my business and, you know, run my business from there. I always say, I, I feel like, you know, just being in the field and, and uh, just be working in the field automatically just will serve more of a purpose than, yeah. you know, sitting in a classroom because you, I feel like, in my personal opinion, I went to college, but I feel like, well, when I went to USC, when I graduated, I didn't really know what I wanted to do until mm-hmm. probably my senior years when I finally got into the field of, you know, broadcasting and covering sports. Yeah. So that's kind of what got everything rolling for me. But I always feel like it serves more of a purpose and it'll help a lot more students that are, if you just go work in the field and be hands-on as opposed to, you know, sitting in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Having and that skill set. To sure. have that school skill set. And it kind of gives you an idea, okay, if you go out there and just at least try it out, it lets you know whether you like it or whether you don't like it. Exactly. So then you're not wasting so much time doing yep. something that you really don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely a learning experience as well. And I feel like that, you know, but, you know, every journey is different for everybody because we need everybody to do different things for this world to be able to work. So, you know, everybody's not going to want to open a business and run a right. business. Everybody's not going to want to work a nine to five, but that's OK, because we need people to work nine to fives. We need people to work business to, to own businesses mm-hmm. to provide jobs for people to work. Um, so that definitely um, makes sense. And all in all, it's like, you know, to be able to figure out exactly what you want to do is really the main thing because that's what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to waste any time. Like, hey, I, you know, I'm 20. Um, I'm, I'm about to have my first kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I need to figure out what I want to do so that before I turn 30, I can not be working so hard and right. really establish and work so hard in my 20s so that I can start to get to the point where, okay, well, I'm in my 30s. I know when I turn 40, I'm going to want to rest. Um, And, you know, so I just think that, you know, if you create a plan and stick to it and always create an annual plan, a five-year and a 10-year, because I feel like those are the milestones for me. So every year I add on to the five-year and I add on to the 10-year. So I Mm -hmm. always have a five and a 10-year plan. Um, because I want to know all the time, you know, what I need to add on. Because when I was 20, I did my what I need to do before I turned 30. And now I'm 26. I'm like, okay, what I need to do, you know, mm-hmm. before I turn 30 and now before I turn 40. You know, so mm-hmm. just having those things in plan because stuff does happen. Things do come up. You know, I've, I've had other kids in my plan that, you know, maybe I didn't plan out when I had my right. first kid that I was going to have. So now I need to go back. And I need to adjust my plan so that I'm doing what I need to do with the things that happen in my life so it can still work out. And I think when, you, when you're when you young, a lot of times when, you, when you're that young, you fresh out of high school or in college, you don't you don't really think about, like, the long term. You just think about, like, living in that moment, moment. right then and mm-hmm. there. And it, for me, I've been out of college for almost 10 years now. And I'm like, man, it's crazy how fast, because I graduated in December of 2014. And I was like, man, so many years, it's almost been 10 years already. Mm-hmm. But when you're young, it's like a lot of the mindset of young adults is like you just want to live in the moment and enjoy yourself, enjoy your 20s. But at the same time, you still have to be goal-oriented. Because for me, I didn't really start setting goals until probably, well, I knew I wanted to do something in sports when I got into the broadcasting field. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, trying to find jobs in my field after I graduated, it, it was hard. So probably about 25, 26, when I finally started creating my own opportunity, 
that's when I kind of started figuring some things out. But a lot of times when you're so young, you just like, you know, you ain't worried about it. You're like, I figured it out down the right, line. Exactly. But it's so important to, you know, have those. Go talk a little bit about that as well. Just, you know, the importance for people watching this, like young adults or people in general, no matter what age you are, just like being goal oriented and just having those clear goals. Yeah, it's very important. And I just feel like, you know, start small. Always start with small goals because once you achieve those small goals and you do it over and over and over, it makes it so much easier to for you to achieve a big goal. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, a saying. I feel like I always kind of think about this saying. If, you you know, somebody wants to, you know, make $100,000, make $1,000 a hundred times. You know, mm-hmm. that's a that's a little more doable for somebody and how they process that in their mind than how the heck am I going to make $100,000, right. you know. Mm-hmm. But you can make $1,000, so do what you just did to make that $1,000 and do it 100 times. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I plan out my, like, my goal setting and what I want to do because things do come up. It's a life. We it's go life. through life. You know, things come up. You know, something might work out like we, you got your whole plan for the year. You know something's going to come up. Something's going to happen. So when that does happen, how can you restructure yourself and get back on track? Um, So just really staying focused, um, setting time aside to really, you know, plan that out. Give yourself some self-care time to be able to dedicate to yourself and to your goals because you know that, you know, you're only one person, but you have to be there for your kids, your family, your Mm -hmm. work, your business. But you got to set that time for yourself to make sure you're contributing to your goals and your plans for sure. And speaking about, you know, life happening, you you said you were 20 when you had your first child. Yes. And then you were getting ready to, you know... um, leave college after two years like what was that like and like what was your like how was that with your family you know with them letting them know you like you were deciding you know step away from college and you know um kind of you know of course being a mother as well yeah um i had a little backlash on it of course Mm -hmm. you know that's just how that goes but i knew that nobody no one understood what i knew you know, mm-hmm. nobody really understands until you actually go through it and do it and you can show them that this is why I did what I did. This mm-hmm. is why I chose to do that. But then and again, you know, as being an adult, you don't owe anybody an explanation. Right. You know, people are going to have opinions all the time, whether it's family, friends, just people you don't know, supporters, anything. They're going to have an opinion because that's what people do. But as long as you don't let that bother you and also don't let it dictate your plans that you have for yourself because people can get in your head and be like "Mm, i don't think you should do that you know Mm -hmm. and if we listen to everybody who didn't think we should do something how many opportunities do you think we would have missed out on absolutely so just sticking to the plan um staying dedicated staying true to what you want to do for yourself and do it for you absolutely like i said i my first two were born they're they're only two months apart and uh, i was 22 this is my senior year in college and for me i was just like man I ain't ready. I, I was like, I ain't ready for this. So. Yeah. But you know, life happens. Things happen. But you, like you said, things gotta. You gotta keep on going. You can't <laughs> just like throw in the towel or whatever. And my family, they were very supportive of me. I never get my dad tell me say, "Son, we love you, and we are gonna help you as much as we can." He said, "You just take care of your kids because I didn't leave y'all." So, cause I have a, a older brother and a younger sister, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I didn't leave y'all, so I don't expect you to leave them." Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting that confirmation from my parents, my mom, and my dad, you know, that that helped me, you know, finish school and uh and, and keep on going. But like you said, life happens. Of course, people are gonna come your way and, and maybe throw a little doubt your way, but you know, you still have to just keep on keep on going. Yes. For you. Business-wise, though, you know, starting your first business when you were 14, did, did you feel like you got a chance to kind of like, because you're so, you're so goal-oriented and, you uh, you know, moving up in the corporate ladder, did you feel like you had a chance to kind of like really like enjoy your childhood with, with, with so much going on? Um, I feel like I mature fast. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and not even with me just being a business owner at the young age. It's just the mindset that I had. I always what felt like I was above some above people other people my age and not saying that I'm better than anybody at all it's just that my mindset and what I was looking forward to was a different picture painted than the average person my age and mm-hmm. it's funny because a lot of people even myself be like you should have been an 80s baby because I, I was born in 96 but my siblings mm-hmm. are 80s babies okay. so it's like you know they're in a different era they're all in their you know their 30s so it's like that is the mindset that I have like I feel like I'm like 10 years ahead of what I am. Um, So, yes, it definitely hindered me um, in my youth years because it it put my mindset, pulled me away from 
um, things that I feel like that I would want, have wanted to experience. Like, for example, um, when I was in college, as soon as I graduated high school, when I turned 18, I got my own apartment. I didn't stay in mm. dorms. I didn't stay in campus. I wasn't able to, you know, network and connect with other college students unless I was going to class. You know, um, I was part of organizations and everything. But being on campus and experiencing the full experience of college, I do wish that I was able to do that. Um, so I definitely missed out on that. And then, of course, starting to have kids while I was in college as well, um, mm. definitely um, took a toll on that as well. But yes, I would say to answer your question, um, my, since my mindset was so mature, I did, you know, miss out on some of the things that, you know, person would miss out in their younger years. How did, how did your friends and your, and your siblings view you? Because like you said, you were goal oriented, you matured a lot faster than most people, you know, starting your own business and working. Um, how, how did they view you? Um, how did they look up to you um, as far as, like, you know, being so goal-oriented? What did they do to them around you? To be honest, I'm the youngest out of all of my, out of, all of my siblings. Um, and all of my siblings look at me as, like, supportive, and they look up to me in a positive way. They're very supportive. And even though I'm younger, um, you know, I'm very beneficial as far as my mindset and things, and I help all of those around me because that's what that's what I do it for. You know, I do it to be able to, you know, help those around me, support them in whatever they want to do, mm-hmm. um, making sure that, you know, because everybody doesn't have, you know, maybe the knowledge or even look into certain things that one other person might take the time to look further into, you know, doing a lot of stuff and, you know, learning different things. So that can contribute to anybody's life. So just me being the... Me being that person that, you know, everybody looks to for, you know, assistance or advice and, you know, knowledge and things like that. I feel like that I have the support system from my older siblings um, with that. And it was never any, like, you know, as I got older and got an adult, the gap closed, if that makes sense. Of course, when I'm, you know, my my siblings are nine and eight, nine and ten years older than me. Mm. So... It's like, you know, I'm 10, they're 20. That's a, that's a bigger gap, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But once I'm 20 and they're 30, things start to right. close. Because you're adults now. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. adults. And they look at, you know, things that I'm saying a little differently. Not like, oh, she don't know what she's talking about. She's too young. Right. Not it's like she really does know what and she's talking about. And they can see what you've, what you've built now yes. so they can kind of understand it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what what type of odd job i guess odd jobs or what type of jobs have you worked like in previously because like for me i tell people man even though you may see me with microphones and cameras and all this now but it's still been a process but i, I worked even when i was in college and in high school i worked at a seafood restaurant uh, busting tables i worked at toys r us i worked at pizza hut for like 30 days and then they <laughs> let me go <laughs> i couldn't i was messing pizzas up um what else i, I worked at sam's club uh, pushing cars, but I've I worked so many different jobs, um, yeah. and like I said, going through that type of stuff kind of helps you figure out what you like and what mm-hmm. you don't like. So, what what kind of jobs would you, have you done previously? You know, before you know, entrepreneur. I know you say yeah. you had your own business. Well, what kind of other jobs did you? So, have? just starting off from first off, when I was ten, I was the babysitter. So I started babysitting mm. at ten. I was certified in CPR, mm. <laughs> so that was a big one. Okay. So I was collecting twenties every weekend, watching my cousins and you know family members, kids, and things like that. That really, I feel like, started me like in having the work ethic. Like I mm-hmm. knew that me doing this skill, me doing this job, I'm getting paid for this, and I'm good at it, and I'm consistent with it. Um, so that turned into me, you know, wanting to work early. Um, I got my first job at 12. Um, I was working at a bowling alley. I actually worked there all through um, middle school and high school. And I also, while having that job, I worked at Dairy Queen as well. So I was like, you know, alternating whatever days or evenings I didn't have to work at this job. I was working at this Mm -hmm. job. So I was hustler. I'm like, you know, I'm about to, you know, when I turn 16, I need to buy a car. You Mm -hmm. know, I need to start saving and just things like that. So, um that led me to get a management position uh, because I started to work in management when I was at the bowling alley. Okay. I was um, like a party party manager. So like on the weekends we would have birthday parties and stuff and I would start to, you know, coordinate that and do that. That led me to completely change um, 
my kind of what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to go into management, but I knew it didn't want to. I didn't want to stay in that field. Mm-hmm. Um, in high school, I also volunteered a lot. So I volunteered at you know one of our biggest hospitals in my hometown. I did that for three years, all through mostly through high school. Um, I also volunteered at um, the shelters and different things like that, and just to enhance my um, experience. Um, but that led me to um, my management years in banking. So after I had my son um, in January of what was that? No, in 2016, I started my job with uh, the bank that grew into me. I worked at PNC Bank. That grew to my relationship with, uh, I ended up getting a management position also at J.P. Morgan Chase. After I worked at PNC for two years, I went to J.P. Morgan Chase um, and I worked there in various management positions and leadership roles uh, for three and a half years, uh, almost four. So that led me into my career like in corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, after I left the bank, I actually took on a completely different position. Um, it was after we moved here, I was working at the bank. I got offered an opportunity um, to be one of the general managers at Hartsfield Atlanta Airport. That's where I made the most of my connections. Okay. And that was really the peak of my uh, corporate career. That's the job that I left last year mm-hmm. and got into what I'm doing now is focusing more on, you know, franchising and business. So for you, what was it for you that felt like, um, cause a lot of, you know, a lot of times in corporate America, once you move up that ladder, a lot of times people can get complacent and making good money mm-hmm. and they say, well, I'm, I got this position. I want to just stay at this job. But for you, what was it that made you feel like? It was time for you to, you know, take a leap of faith and, you know, kind of create your own opportunity. Well, it's a little different for me because with any company that I worked for when I was in leadership, I was the youngest that had the position. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of, you know, that that didn't come with a lot of, you know, positive feedback. Some people were envious of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's having the, you know being strong to be able to even deal with stuff like that and still move through, you know, the ladders and achieve my goals. Um, I knew at the time when I actually was still working when I signed on, like paid my franchise fee and everything, I was still working through that. Um, It wasn't until I was ready to start, you know, my build outs and things to be able to be like, okay, I want to focus my attention on what I want to make an empire out of. And I know me, helping somebody else achieve their goals is not going to help me if I'm taking time away from what I want to do and what I want to achieve to, you know, do that. So mm-hmm. I just like, I'm just going to do it. Um, Sorry not to cut you no, off. Didn't fine. mean to cut you off, but at the time when you were doing the bit, did they know what you were doing or did you just kind of keep that? On the I hush? kept it. Okay. okay. I kept it. Yep. I, Cause it, I just feel like it wasn't their business. Cause I knew that eventually when I knew it was time for me to step away that then at that point they would know because mm-hmm. I'm connected with a, uh, every, all my peers, my managers, my peers, um, people that I manage, I'm still connected to them this day and they definitely see, you know, what I have going on now. Mm-hmm. So did you feel like a lot of your pushback, you know, being an African American woman, um, and moving up in those higher ranks, um, it's a great accomplishment to move up the ladder like that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's where some of your uh, pushback came from because you were so young and being an African-American woman, that was some of the reasons why you got some pushback? Absolutely. And then trying to figure out, you know, she don't have the experience for this. Mm-hmm. She don't have enough years of work experience to do this. You know, what makes her, you know, be able to have this position over somebody who has been waiting for this for for years, you know, and have mm-hmm. much more experience. So I definitely got a lot of pushback from that. Yeah. I was, it, it made me think about this book. Um, it was a gentleman that came on The Breakfast Club a few weeks ago. And he, I think he's a, a heads on production company, Macro Production, something like that. And at the end of the interview, he mentioned this book um, um, by Reg, uh, Reginald Lewis. He's a, he was the first black man to uh, um, own like a billion dollar company. Uh, it's called White, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? And in the book, he was just, it talks about how he was, you know, you know, he was a lawyer. He went to, he went to Harvard. He was a lawyer, got his degree and everything. And, uh, he just wanted to run his own business. So like he tried several times to, to buy multiple businesses and they were fair, but he didn't understand why. And one, one of his deals came almost time to close and the guy just pulled out. And basically what it came down to when they found out he was going to be the, uh, own person that owned the business. 
they didn't want to go through with it because they didn't want to work for a black man. But he, he never used his race as an excuse. He kind of had an idea of what that was, or mm-hmm. why, why these deals didn't go through. Yeah. But he went through that process several times, and then finally he, he bought a, uh, a uh, it's called a, a McCall Pattern Company. It was like a sewing company. Then he ended up buying another company called TLC Beechers. Nice. And uh, it was like a billion dollar company. But he, he, he went through all these landmines and, uh, and you know, he didn't use race as an excuse, but he kind of knew what it was just being an African-American, like what kind of stuff that he had to go through to, um, to create a successful business. Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask you, like, what were some of the things and like that pushback that you feel, but you still didn't let, allow that yeah. to like consume you. Even now, um, not now, but even when I was building out Fayetteville, when it was time for me to look for commercial space, literally everything checked out. My finances, my credit, my profile, everything about me checked out. Um, we would get all the way to um, completing the agreement, all the way up to see uh, when it's time for even some of them for me to go see the space. As soon as they saw me, I heard nothing else about it. And that was it. But, that they, was but it. they never said anything else. Some wild. of them would say that they just wouldn't respond anymore. One of them said that you know they are going to this this wouldn't this space wouldn't be a good fit for my business. Um, just a lot of pushback and you know I grew to understand that you know it's better you know maybe God's trying to protect me from something even though in my eyes I feel like you know this isn't fair Mm -hmm. but in his eyes it's like that's not for you they're not going to make money off of that it could be a problem later I I ride by some of these spaces even today that's still for lease they're not making any money mm-hmm. so they missed out and they're not getting anybody else in there so right. now that is the pushback that they get from however they felt or whatever the case ha- may have been for them denying me um, mm-hmm. in the space but now I'm so glad with the space that I do have and who did say yes because mm-hmm. that is the one that was supposed to be for me how do you handle you know like even when things like that you know everything checks out great and it still doesn't go the way you would want it to like how do you handle because Jason is going to be, it's just a part of life no matter what you do, and especially as an entrepreneur. But, like, how did you, you know, handle those rejections in, in those moments? Because it's, it's, it's easy to, you know, let that get you down and just want to throw in the towel and just mm-hmm. um, not even want to do it anymore. But how did you handle those rejections and, you know, push it through all of it? So, to be honest, I, how I used to handle them, it used to make me very upset. It used to bother me. I sometimes would even get emotional about it because I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out why. Um, once it started to happen to me more and I started to understand, I started to pray about it, mm-hmm. I learned not to worry. Um, and I just took it, you know, with a grain of salt. And I'm like, you know, it is what it is. Um, so now that's how I look at everything, whether it's rejection or not. I look at it like, oh, that's not for me. It's for somebody else because what's for me, I'm going to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just try to put and look at even negative things in a positive light. Um, and that makes me feel much better and that puts me at ease that, you know, everything's going to work out. So, so as far as like the first, your first Peach Cobb Factory opened, was it last? Was it last? So originally Dalton opened about a year and a half ago. Okay. I became the owner because I'm the second owner. I became the owner of Dalton, um, on July 1st of this year. So I'm only about short two months of being at Dalton. Okay. What? So, of all the business, like, what made you just want to do it? Like, I know you said you had the, uh, was it catering business? Mm-hmm. Um, so, what made you just want to go with the, because there's many different um, type of restaurants that you could have chosen, mm-hmm. but, like, the Peach Cobbler Factory, what made you want to do that one? So, the Peach Cobbler Factory actually wasn't the first business I even looked into. Okay. Um, the first business that I looked into and actually went through the process with was Chick-fil-A. I've heard theirs um, was kind of extreme. It's extreme. It's a lot. Extreme, it's yeah. a lot yeah. And, you, you know, for my personal reasons, I wanted a franchise that I could own forever and I could actually own um, something I could pass on to my kids, something that is an asset for me and my family in mm-hmm. the Chick-fil-A route. That's not it because um, they're they're not franchise owners. They're franchise operators, and it's just a little different. It's like managing the locations in a higher standpoint. Um, but if something happens to you or you feel like you don't want to do it anymore, you don't get to take that with you. They take it back. back. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so that is why I chose not to do that, which is fine. You know, that's just not for me. Not saying it's not for somebody else because it's a great opportunity, mm-hmm. um, but it just wasn't for me. Um, after Chick-fil-A, I actually looked into edible arrangements. 
because um, it's a company that's been around for a long time um, and after I looked into it and seeing like the specs and numbers and things like that I realized that that actually wasn't for me um, even though it kind of aligned with what I've been doing for you know the last decade with my business that I started with you know making treats and desserts and things like that um, dip fruit was definitely a part of it so I'm like okay maybe this will be a great idea but I figured out that wasn't for me I literally um, the peach cobbler factory came brought was brought to my attention and i looked more into it i'm like oh wow this is awesome like this is great you know this is different you know it's a variety they're staying up with the times and as i continue to grow more with it things were changing with them like this mm -hmm. i'm like this is where i need to be in the beginning process with a company that's franchising early and get in the beginning so 10 years down the line with my franchising in it and they're bigger than mcdonald's you know I knew that I started with them in their, you know, early stages early and I got to, I got to be with them from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, I knew that that was for me. And when everything starts to check out and starts to work out, that's when I know that, okay, this is for me because if it wasn't for me, it wouldn't be working out like this. What's, what's some of the most important things to look at? I know you said, um, you know, when you looked at Chick-fil-A, you, you couldn't, like, fully own it. Like, if something happens, then it goes back to them. But what are some other things that are, like, most important for people watching? Like, if they want to, you know, um, get a franchise business, um, what are some important things you think they should look at? So, for me, I had – I'm educated in, you know, reading through a FDD um, just for gaining knowledge on that. Um, but definitely, if you're not having a legal team or an attorney to be able to – read that out for you because that is where all the specifics are going to be you know with a franchise or a business is the guidelines that you have to follow um and what you know comes with that with the signature so fdd is kind of like a breakdown of everything yes, okay it's a franchise agreement okay um so having that um really just kind of lines everything out it, it tells you what you're gonna pay fees you're gonna pay what you're obligated to do talks about all of that stuff um and then i will also look at you know the reputation of the company mm -hmm. uh the cultural background how much of this race versus this race are partners with the company you know you know just to see how diverse they are um that was a big thing for me um you know with the peach cobbler factory 90 percent of the partners are african-american okay um so that's you know good for somebody to know um, if they were, you know, interested in that, but just, you know, and also if the culture aligns with your beliefs and what you want to do, because at the end of the day, you're going to be another face of that company, but also that company is going to be a reflection of you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't want to sign on with a company who, you know, didn't align with my values or were doing things that, you know, I was against because now, you know, that's a reflection of me. So it's like, if you're with them and you're doing that, then you know you're just as much as just with the business as they are with you so well like instead of starting a business like from scratch what are like i guess kind of like the benefits of starting like a peach cobbler factory is pretty much it's already like a, a blueprint that's already yep. laid out for you so that's pretty much the biggest difference you would say what would, the, or what would you say the blueprint the audience the relationships because you have to understand for instance, I know both sides of the fence. So I know starting a business from scratch and I know starting a business that is established and growing rapidly. You know, with me, if I was to grow my business or start franchising my business, you know, things like rates with vendors, you're not going to get stuff as cheap, you know, for getting it for one business as another business can get because they're getting it for a thousand locations. Mm -hmm. So you're profiting more, you know, your numbers are going to be a little bit better because your back end fees and you know the net of the net sales and all of that of the business are going to be at a better rate than you know having a small business and you're just getting here getting here getting there and growing your business so that's definitely a benefit is having the blueprint and having already you know a corporate support that supports you and your business and you know that um, you have that support as you're continuing to grow with your individual locations. Mm -hmm. it's, I saw online it said, um, Black Business said that you were, when you got your, I guess your first location, you would say you were ready to, you know, self-fund everything, like, at that time. Were you, were you always, like, mindful of, like, how you how you spent your money and everything? Yes. Like, how, how you... I'm a budgeter, and mm -hmm. I'm a hustler on top of that, so 
I'm not ashamed or afraid to do anything that's like a side hustle to contribute with my goals. So I worked not, you know, I worked nine to five. I worked full time hours. So I was living below my means. I was making six figures, um, but I was living like fifty thousand a year. Even though I was making over a hundred thousand dollars, I was I was putting money to the side because mm-hmm. I knew that I could live and pay my bills off of fifty thousand. I don't need to increase my spending mm-hmm. and increase my living just because I'm making more money. Right. Um, so that was the first thing. Second thing, of course, I started to save. I cut back. Um, we went from renting to owning, and that decreased. You know, our bills were paying high rent. Rent was higher. You know, um, so that decreased some, um, some of the bills and I'm not afraid to do, you know, I, I did Uber sometimes I do Toro. Um, so just different things like that, um, that also contributed to me saving the revenue that I needed to push my dreams, you know, to push what I wanted to do. So, you know, as long as you stick to the goal, it's just like. You got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. And, and not worry about what other people yeah. say. Yeah. And that's what I did then. I'm like, I don't care. You know, I'm going to do it just because I'm working here and I'm making security. Do not mean I can't drive Uber or right. rent cars on Turo or do whatever I need to do because it's all extra income. It's Absolutely. extra money for me. I'm benefiting, you know, at the end of the day. And, and please talk about that because a lot of people, you know, a lot of business owners, they start making more money so they think they have to increase this expense. Or people in general, like if you work a nine to five, just because you, you make more money, you think you can, you know, go spend more money. But mm-hmm. just talk about the importance of not, you know, not living above your means just because your income increases and, you, yeah. and you're making a lot of money. That is how, like, that is really how people set themselves up for generations to come is not living above their means. So, you know, if I'm living in this house and I have a job, I'm making 50000 and my kids are able to be clothed, fed, ate, we're able to do everything we need to do off of that salary. If my job wants to double my salary, well, guess what? I have, I probably will add five to 10,000 into, you know, doing more to, you know, to upgrade myself. But I still got $40,000 before taxes that I'm saving that I don't even see. So what I do is, um, just into my last job, I was, I was literally saving a thousand dollars a check. Mm. It was going to a separate account that I didn't see. I couldn't see when I logged in the mobile bank, it was going to a savings account. So I saw, it's a mind thing. So what I saw was my paycheck. After getting paid, after a few months, I didn't even think about the thousand because it wasn't coming into my main account. Mm -hmm. It was going away. So that's $4,000 a month that is just going somewhere else for you to save. That's how I was able to fund and self-pay for my build out for Fayetteville right now. And Mm -hmm. I was able to buy Dalton. So just little things like that. Um, It's all about the mindset. Like I wasn't too worried about... I could have easily went and bought two brand new cars off the lot. I could have, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I could have upgraded a lot of different stuff. I did not do that because I didn't need it at the time. And I knew where my mind was set and the goals that I wanted to achieve. I'm like, I got I got, got, to stay focused on the path. You got to stay focused on the goal. This is what I need to do. If I was to do that, that's pulling me away from my plan and it's going to set me back. Mm-hmm. For our people, you know, a lot of times, you know, the struggle is a lot different for us. Um, but what would you tell people to do in a situation where sometimes they feel like they're just getting by, like they may not have those type of funds to, you know, put away to the side or yeah, they just making it just enough to get to that next paycheck. Like what kind of advice would you have for those people that are, you know, just kind of getting by, but they want more in life and, and they want to have to be able to put something aside. Like what kind of advice would you have for, for people? So the first step is finding yourself and figuring out what you really want to do. Because mm-hmm. a person could take advice for somebody all day, but if their mental is somewhere else, that's going to deter them away from anything that they want to do, anything new, because their thoughts are pushing them away. It might be, you know, I can't do that. You know, I'm not going to be successful with that. You know, it's the thought process first. So first you need to look within yourself. And I say it all the time, but, um, you know, our culture is sometimes against, you know, mental health mental you know awareness what we need to do to first you know acknowledge that you know maybe my thinking process is off you know so first you need to dig within yourself and then after that is you know figuring out a plan once you identify you know that you can do better and stop doubting yourself because your biggest your biggest critic is you 
Absolutely. Your biggest critic is you. And once you figure out that you need to be your biggest fan and your biggest supporter, it'll change everything instantly. Because you, the, the tongue is powerful. And I speak highly of myself. I speak highly of myself. Um, I read a lot. And I speak mm-hmm. highly of others. Because what's, what's, what's going to do for me if I'm telling myself every day that even though I know that maybe I can't afford something, what's, what's going to do for me to tell myself that I'm broke? I'm stay broke. You know, don't have that mindset. Have a wealthy mindset. Have a positive mindset, and your life will reflect on that. You know, so that's just what I do every day. I speak life into my household, my family, my kids, and into myself because that is the life that I want us to have. And the tongue is powerful, so I'm basically going to, you know, manifest the life that I want. Oh, you sounded just like um, I had a, a lady on um, Miss Leslie Leslie Wallace a couple weeks ago. She has a uh, it's called Kingdom Logistics Trucking and Logistics. Kingdom Dispatching Logistics Company, and she was saying the exact same thing about life and death is in the power of the tongue, and be mindful of the words that you speak, okay. yeah. and also be mindful of what the words that you allow people to speak Say to you. To well. about you. Yeah, because she said, don't let those people say anything when you know better about yourself. And if and she said, if you always tell yourself, man, I just got this little check, this little check all the time. It's gonna stay little. It's gonna stay little. Mm-hmm. So be mindful of the things that you speak to people and what you say to yourself, and what you allow to other, mm-hmm. for a lot of other people to say to yourself as well. And a lot of people they ask for, well, you know, people of a religious state or anything, they ask for, you know, the wrong thing. You know, people sitting there asking for, you know, for their life to be better or for them to, you know, just be in a position to win. But really, what the most important thing is to be in a position to be able to help be in a position to Absolutely. be able to you know provide for others to not only just think about yourself but think about what you can do to change the world um and that's really just being you know god moves through people mm-hmm. i truly believe that and you know everybody you know has to have you know the mindset to be able if you're, if you're not looking to just better if you're looking to just better yourself that you know, that's good to have those self-goals. But, you know, when you have so many other people around you, you know, what can I do? That's why I'm so community-involved and I'm so family-oriented because my main goal every day is I need to figure out what I need to do and what I'm going to do to make sure that my family is up and the people around me are set onto new heights to be able to be successful too mm-hmm. because it's not just about me, you know. Absolutely. E- even though I'm the one, you know, putting putting the time in, putting the work in, I'm not just doing this for me. I'm doing this for the people that I love, for the people around me because it only takes one person. Absolutely. And I, I feel like that's just a part of life and especially as an entrepreneur, it's like when you have a business like you, it's you're supposed to serve. Like yeah. you're supposed to be able to give back. And for me, you know, a part of me, you know, starting my journey, you know, getting into broadcasting was, you know, when I when I was interning and I would go to these different events, I would just see the look. It was like a lack of African-Americans in that space already. Mm-hmm. But then also sometimes they'll give you a certain look like, are you really supposed to be here covering right. games? So, like, I would see media members that would just walk right into events, um, nothing said. But if I, once I walk in, they will look at my credential, make sure I'm who I say I am and make sure I belong or whatever. And I know how hard it is to, you know, get into those spaces. So, like, if I'm covering, like, the Charlotte Hornets or when I did some things with the Panthers and, you know, covering South Carolina State Bulldogs, which is an HBCU, which I'm thankful for that opportunity. Like, I always said eventually for me, as I continue to grow my business, I want to be able to help other people get into those positions. Mm-hmm. So if they want to cover these events, they can go in because I know how it felt, you know, for me, you know, trying to get into those spaces. And not and, have nobody. And, and not having anybody not and, and being rejected is because it's like a, it's already a lack of African Americans in that media space. And I feel like it's important for us to share our story because if you look at basketball and football, majority of the players are African Americans. So yeah. to be able to go in and cover those guys and have somebody that they can relate to, um, I feel like that's an important part. And so for me to be able to, you know, be able to give back and also create a platform like this where I can meet so many people, you know, and people can hear these type of stories and, and inspire people as well. I feel like that's part of me, you know, giving back to the community and, you know, just helping other people, you know, follow ju- their journey, whether it's like, whether they want a peach cobbler factory or whether they want to start their own media business. This is kind of like a blueprint for them to kind of follow and just hear these stories. It's going to kind of help and give back to them as well. Absolutely. And if everybody just continues to do that, it'll just be so much more helpful for everybody that's coming along. Absolutely. We got a few more questions, and uh, we'll, we'll get ready to wrap it up because I know you have some other things to do. Um, 
what would you say is like the hardest part of being an entrepreneur? Um, I would say the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is knowing that you're going to be the hardest one to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and that goes with everything in business, especially when you're when you're new, when you're first starting a business. Even if you have other employees, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be you, you sitting there paying all your employees and you can't pay yourself yet. You know, you're not really seeing, you know, the money. Like, it's not all glitter and gold. You got some days where you're having high sales. You got some days where you have no sales. Some days where you have a little bit of sales. Uh-huh. Some days where you got to work all day, no days off. Might have to work a month. You got people that can be sick, take vacation, have other obligations, second jobs, everything. But that is your obligation. So you have to make sure that your that your business is doing what your business is supposed to do. And if you have to fill in every day, you got to fill in every day. So basically, you sacrificing your personal life to make sure that your business is is running. Mm-hmm. What would you say for you personally was like one of the biggest battles that you have or, or you had in the past or may have right now with yourself, like the biggest battle? So um, I would say when I took over Dalton, um, it was a store that really wasn't profiting and um, the reason why the old owners left was for that and just, you know, it just wasn't for them anymore. So I took on a challenge um, and I took on that challenge because nobody else is probably going to take it on and I knew that that's something that I wanted to change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got in, came in on um, the 1st of July. I was there for 37 days straight, no days off, open to close. I would mm-hmm. drive two hours there and drive two hours home every day every day so sacrificing time for my kids my family my husband my personal life not being able to do anything but be there until i grew that business and in the first 30 days i grew to sell 79 percent without doing any marketing mm-hmm. that's being involved that's being community involved that's building relationships with customers that's you know giving exceptional customer service but sometimes you have to go through those trials to be able to see the light um and i'm definitely now seeing the light and it's gonna go up and down you know i probably really won't see any you know consistent progression until after the first six months of me taking it over but it's worth the challenge and i'm I'm ready for it. So it's really just being dedicated to that um, and just knowing that just because you have some trial and error and you might have a couple down times doesn't mean it's going to last forever. Talk, I got to ask you, talk about that mindset of, you know, you driving two hours to work in, um, with a, at, a, at a location that's not profiting as, you, as it should, um, and then you working open to close. First question is, did you have any help? And then also on top of that, just talk about like your mindset because people will look at that already. It's like, well, it's too far from home. It's not making any money. Mm-hmm. This is a bad idea. But for you to, you know, accept that challenge, talk a little bit about that mindset of you know embracing that challenge. Yeah, so definitely I look far ahead. So I'm looking at the bigger picture. I'm looking at what this could do for my family, for my kids. 10, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people look at, you know, what's going on right here, right now. Um, and, you know, what I do is like, you know, I'm like, okay. So, what I wanted to do was just make sure that I knew that you got to stick to the plan. So, it was tiring. It it could be a happy drive. It could be an emotional drive. It could be, you know, a, a, a sad or angry drive. But... Mm-hmm. I never complained. And I said, this is what I signed up for. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it. Um, so just having the opportunity to be able to experience this, I know that I can handle anything. Um, so, you know, I'm like, shoot, business is not profiting right now. But what can I do so it can profit? Right. I have to do something for it to profit. And I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick to the plan. I'm stick to going. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to make my sales increase because that is how I'm going to be able to get out of this situation to be able to sit back and be ready for my next location to open because if I'm just going to – I didn't sign up to to own a business that wasn't profiting. I signed up to make a business that wasn't profiting profit. Mm-hmm. So now I have to put in the work to be able to do that. Is it important to, you know, show your face and let people know who you are? It's like, this is who I am. This is my business. Or do you, would you rather prefer to, you know, kind of like stay behind the scenes and like let your business just um, speak for itself? Nope. I want to be, I want them to know. Okay. But I want them to know because I'm passionate about it. You know, how can I have a great team of employees if I don't, if I can't do the work? 
So anything I ask anybody to do, I've done it a hundred times over. And I will still get in there and do it. I work with my employees all the time. I was left with one part-time employee. Now I have four. Um, so, you know, I was okay. able to grow a team. They're all trained. They're all able to be able to do everything that I can do, everything that I need my store to do. And I'm thankful for that. So, but that's me putting in the work. You know, I was community involved within the first two weeks. I joined the chamber. I joined NAACP chapter. I've joined many community involved mm-hmm. um, clubs. And just being in that is the main priority. So, just, you know, looking at the positive and things, again, having that positive mindset is really the main thing. Absolutely. Uh, how do you, with that taking so much time away from your, your kids and, and your husband, that um, driving that far and just being an owner of um, a business, how, how do you balance, like, the, you know, being a mother and a wife as, and as well as a, as a business owner? How do you balance it? So, like, balancing it, my husband really is very supportive and we just make it work to hold the sport down mm-hmm. because it's like you know i'm working on during the day he works through the night he has the kids and i have the kids it will be sometimes i wouldn't see my kids for a few days like, like physically mm-hmm. unless i go wake them up or go give them a kiss while they're asleep but you know i'm leaving at you know, it was the summertime. My kids are not up. I'm leaving at 7-something in the morning so I can get there and prep and bake. That's when I was getting the hang of everything. And then I'm coming home after midnight. My kids are asleep. You know, so being mm-hmm. there for that short period of time and being able to juggle that, I knew that I needed to hurry up and I needed to figure out and I needed to make it work so that I could finally sit back and enjoy my kids because you know my family is everything to me Absolutely. so but sometimes you have to make those sacrifices to see the bigger picture and get to the goal and you just have to make sure that your support system understands that mm-hmm. would you say that's probably the, the biggest sacrifice you had to make was being away you know from family because of like the goal that, of, that you're trying to accomplish and you know setting them up for generational wealth yes because I, I, I remember one of these clips I saw online was Shannon Sharp, and he always said something about, you know, it's, it's no such thing as balance. It's because when you really want to be great at something, it's going to come times where you may miss, you know, he's a professional football player. He missed, you know, recitals or mm-hmm. different things at school, but he knew what he was trying to do, and he wanted to, you know, put his family in a better financial situation than what he had. Right. So that was one of the sacrifices that he had to make. Um, if you had to lay out a blueprint, for business, um, for people in general, like they, they want to become an entrepreneur. Like, what would you say is kind of like a blueprint? You know, just starting to be. It may not be a peach cobbler factory, but just a uh, just a business in general. What kind of blueprint would you say? I would say the first thing look into because a lot of people don't look into it or just don't know much about it is to tap into business credit. Any business, it's the mm-hmm. whole line of things. Do not put everything and weigh down your personal credit because it's just so much more, so much out there, so much money that you can't even put your hands on unless you have established business credit. So that would be the first thing. Um, figure out a plan how you can, you know, start saving because the first thing that you're, the main thing that you're going to need is finances because a lot of businesses put more in than they get out the first, you know, year. Mm-hmm. Honestly if not the first three years, you know, because you're still figuring out. You're figuring out how to reduce your 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 spending costs, how to reduce your labor costs. You're spending too much in those areas, so you have to figure out the balance, and it takes time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely identifying those things are really important, and then you can get into, you know, owning and being successful in any business. Absolutely. My, my final two questions, and we'll wrap it up. I know you're only 26 years old, but is there anything – if you had to look back on it so far, is there anything you wish you would have done differently? I would say no, not really. because And that's just because I'm learning every day. Honestly, I am. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I'm, I'm a very teachable person, but I'm very much willing to learn. I'm very coachable as well. Mm-hmm. My, and my last and final question that I love to ask everybody is, you know, as entrepreneurs, when we come on and I'm traveling across the country interviewing a lot of entrepreneurs, um, I named my tour that I went, I've done three tours. I call it a self-investment tour. So the last and final question that I love to ask everybody at the end is like, what does self-investment mean to you? I would say self-investment means to me is being really dedicated to yourself because 
you have to first invest in yourself and your dreams and your goals before you can ever contribute to anybody else's life. But sometimes people get caught up in pouring more into other people and not pouring into their self. And that was me. I would give, I would give, I would give, and I would, you know, sacrifice for myself just to make sure that everybody around me was okay. Um, but then I, it started to mess with my, with my mindset and my mental. I said, I got to get back on track and in order for me to be that person to continue to give, I have to give to myself so that I can continue to give. Right. You know, I have to be mm-hmm. self-invested into myself so that I can provide bigger for what I really want for the people around me. So that's when I started to be a little selfish. And that's okay. You mm-hmm. know, as long as you are being self-invested in yourself and sticking to the goal and sticking to the plan, you'll be successful. Absolutely. Aaliyah, thank you for your time. I really enjoyed it, hearing your story, you know. Just seeing the things that you've accomplished at a, at a young age, and I know you're going to do a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for taking the time. It was inspiring. I know this is going to inspire a lot of people. Before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to uh, find you and uh, support your business? Yes. So my two locations, uh, my open location is in Dalton, Georgia at 785 Sugar Road, um, Suite 9B in Dalton, Georgia. My second location is opening in Fayetteville uh, this fall. It'll be at 100 Banks Crossing, Fayetteville, Georgia. Um, And also, I am on Instagram and I'm on uh, Facebook. Uh, Instagram is at Aaliyah Leah, um, A-L-E-E-A-H-L-E-E-A-H. And uh, Facebook at Aaliyah Smith. And you can get both of my businesses on Instagram at Get Peachy Dalton or Get Peachy Fayetteville. All right. And I also saw something you were doing like a... uh consulting or coaching class or like helping people that wanted yes, to, absolutely. to to start a business yeah. something as well yeah have- so check out yep yeah, if you go ahead and check out my facebook or instagram the information is all there i do do business mentoring and i do do classes on uh business and financial consulting absolutely so alia thank you for your time thank again you. i really enjoyed it um love hearing your story and we'll definitely be make sure we'll do our best to come down to the fayetteville location yes. I, you said that'll be opening this soon. fall yes this fall okay so we'll definitely try to come out and support. And if you guys are ever in the Dalton, Georgia area, Fayetteville, Georgia area, for the Peach Cobbler Factory, please make sure you come out and support. And hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. Yes. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening. Thank you.